And like the, yeah. the field that I'm in grabs attention, right? So like, for example, we were at this pitch competition and it's probably 300 people in the room. They're all in suits because they're all healthcare. And they're, everybody's looking down at their computer, looking down at their, you know, phones or whatever. And my opening line is, I love my husband. I just don't care if we ever have sex again. And everyone's like, (laughs) (laughs) excuse me, like, who is this lady? Thanks for for being on the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Seed Stories. I'm your host, John Deshoutsky. We are so lucky to have Dr. Lindsay Harper today on our show to tell us all about her company. Uh, Nice to have you today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk all about this with you. Thanks, Sean. So we're going to get to Rosie and um, all about sexual health and wellness and and all that fun stuff. Um, But we need to learn about you first. Uh, And and I want to hear a little bit about your story and kind of how did you get into the world of startups and technology? Uh, Take us all the way back. Yeah. So all the way back, I have always wanted to be a doctor since I was a little girl. Um, So that's sort of the path that I went on. I went straight from college to medical school, straight into OBGYN residency. I love women's health. Um, Super passionate about it. Still love it to this day. I happened to marry a startup person who I tell that he like worm you know, hold his way into my brain with thoughts of innovation and thoughts of creativity. And um, so, yeah, you do, which I love. Now I'm obsessed. But before I was like, no, like I have a very clear plan. I know what I'm going to do. I know how much money I'm going to make. Like, what are we doing here? And so, you know, he has, my husband now has started lots of companies um, along the way. And it just offered me another way of thinking about the world, which was so different than medicine, where everything, you know, is set forth and planned. And to me, felt to be sort of un- sadly devoid of creativity. Um, and so whenever I, um, you know, whenever we were growing up together, essentially, um, he was like, you know, look for something that only you realize is, is going on. And so that's like really exactly what happened. Um, I don't think that I'm the only one that realized that it was going on, but I think, I, you know, luckily I was able to put together the need and then the opportunity and kind of bring it to life. So it all, it all kind of fell into place over, you know, many years as these things do. Well, it's, it's amazing to hear that he was able to convince you, which sounds like his entrepreneurial journey was mostly positive. There's also the whole school of founders who are like, don't ever do it. It's awful. You know, like it's so hard. Uh, Like Elon Musk always says, it's like chewing glass um, and staring off into the abyss. So I'm glad that he was able to convince you positively (laughs) of one. Well, you know, it's funny. It's yep. funny when you say that because it, I had the idea for it and I was really looking to him for guidance because it was a huge deal for me to leave my practice where I had been for eight years with my, you know, caseload full of pregnant patients. Like this was a huge deal. And I was like, Scott, do you think I should do this? And he literally at that point stepped completely back. He's like, you've seen everything that I've been through. Like, I cannot tell you whether or not to do this. If you're going to yep. do it, then it is going to be a hundred percent your decision to own. And at the time I was a little bit, you know, sad that he wouldn't help me more but now I get it and I'm I'm thankful that it was my full decision to own and I wouldn't change it honestly I I love it so yeah there's something special about entrepreneurial couples and the fact that you are both uh in in the world uh must make the the dinner time conversations really special 
Um, <laughs> Our kids so, might not think so, but we do. We do. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. My, my daughter's every time I talk about startups, she's like boring. Although yeah. I did take her to lunch once with three uh, female founders, and she walked away uh, being very interested in it. So uh, oh, maybe, that's awesome. maybe maybe there's a future there. But enough about me, and I, I want to get back to sort of like that kernel of idea. What was the sort of insight you had around Rosie that really made you realize like, I have to do this. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, it happened while I was in private practice. I, I felt very confident taking care of pregnant patients, you know, doing surgery, offering contraception, you know, working with menopause, things that we're trained to do in residency. Um, but something that was coming up literally on a day-to-day -day basis were sexual health problems. And I'm not talking about STIs, which are a big deal, but I felt very comfortable in that realm. I'm talking about low sexual desire, trouble with orgasm, sexual pain, trouble with arousal. Like these were all one big nebulous complaint to me that I had zero resources um, to, to help my patients. And so I thought at first, I'm like, well, maybe these are just my patients. Like maybe I've amassed some, you know, sexually unwell group somehow. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's my lack of training. Maybe I, you know, I had a baby during residency. Maybe I missed it while I was on maternity leave. But I started asking around these big groups of OBGYNs on Facebook. Hey, what do y'all do for these things? No one has any training. No one has any ideas. <clears throat> and on top of that, they're having the same experience that I am, which is that they're hearing about it all the time. So there's this huge discrepancy between what's available, what we know how to do, and the number of people who need our help. And I was like, oh man, like this is it. I felt like the world, you know, was kind of coming together. And so I started looking around. I'm like, surely something exists. Surely someone's already working on this. You know, what's going on? And there was nothing, nothing in the startup space, nothing, hardly anything in, um, Pharma. There are two FDA-approved medications for women's sexual dysfunction compared to 26 for men, um, and we know what's going on, right, in the startup and funding space for men's sexual health. But what's you know at this time, this is 2019. What's going on in the women's health space? Nothing um, for sexual health specifically. So I, you know, felt like this was a huge opportunity. I learned that 43% of women have a sexual problem and there's this huge need for innovation. So I went and joined a medical society where all they do is study women's sexual health and evidence-based interventions, became a fellow of that organization. And instead of opening a clinic here in Dallas, I thought, you know what, let's start a platform and really get these resources out to these mm. truly, you know, billions of women in the world who need these uh, resources. Well, I mean, you started going down the road of trashing the venture capital and startup market, <laughs> which I one of my favorite, absolute favorite topics about how biased and 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 oh. frankly messed up it is that it, it's so difficult for for female entrepreneurs and and I hope it gets better. We're working to make sure that it, it gets better, and there's a lot of positive um, indications that it could get better, but it it also is uh, impressive that you were. Like, oh, I'm going to go face uh, first into that and and, yeah. and start uh, within women's health. Um, so, you know, around that around that time, you know, you obviously had the idea. You knew that there was a big problem. You know, uh, what did you do next? You know, there, there's often this meme around the early days of startups that it's like everybody's coding and they're taking tequila yeah. shots and working late into the <laughs> night. Like. I always tell founders is like not like that at all. You're sitting around yeah. in your boxer, boxer shorts or underwear or whatever, like <laughs> trying to figure out what the heck I do next, you know? So like talk me through the going from problem to building because that's a fun phase. Yeah. 
it was it was such a fun face so full of energy and creativity and for mm. me I, there was like a lot less tequila involved and a lot more like mother of threeing and still delivering babies and you know like all the things yeah. so it was just like whenever i between patients which is like you know 10 minutes i would just I started just pouring through the medical literature, right? And that was where my my journey started <clears throat> instead of coding because I'm not, you know, an engineer, technical. nor am I yeah. super technical at this point. Mm. Um, but um, so I'm like, hey, if I'm going to make something, I do not want to be selling snake oil. I do not want to be another like CPG company that's, you know, selling sexual wellness. I want to ground this in data. I want to be a representation of how I feel that healthcare should be, which is holistic and multidisciplinary. And I want to do something that I really think can change these women's lives in the long term, not just immediately, not be a band-aid, but in the longer term. So for me, that really involved educating myself, not only in the field of sexual health, but also around digital health, also around the research available in the area. How are we demonstrating results when it comes to pharmaceuticals, when it comes to other interventions? How can we build that into the platform and the product? So <clears throat> it was a lot of that early, early legwork to make sure that you know, if I was going to change careers and dedicate my life to this, that it would be something really meaningful that I could, as a physician, as a woman, really stand in with, you know, a high degree of confidence. Um, so instead of coding, it was just reading. <laughs> yeah. No, and, 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 and by the way, that's that's all, all obviously market validation and research, like to make sure that you are the expert and you know the most. And I think that that's yeah. incredibly important and also enlightening, especially if you have this hunch and it's being re validated by the research that you're doing. That can be very... Um, rewarding as a founder in, in the early days. Um, and I, and I think that like every founder has a different style. Did you like wake up one day and say, I quit, I'm moving on and I'm, I'm full time on Rosie. Did you do one leg in one leg out? Like there's, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my journey was, I, I was like, I just can't, I can't not do this. And so I, I just like resigned and was like, I have to focus on this full time. I don't always recommend that. So I would love to kind yeah. of hear um, what, what you felt uh, sort of what, what you did during that time. Yeah. So for me, it was definitely a process. It was like, okay, the idea was there. Then I went to validate it. Then we started to think about what does the MVP of this look like? And at mm. that point, it we there was a serious discussion of like, okay, Lindsay, who runs this company? And I was like, well, I run this company. You know, I'm very, <laughs> let's say I, I want to have having, a lot who of... Are you, who, who are you having the conversation with? <clears throat> This is your husband? My very early board, which is my husband and his co-founder, who okay, sort of it. helped bring Rosie to market. And yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. the three yeah, of yeah. us. Um, yep. And so whom, he's like our close personal friend now. They're part of our family. So yeah. um, anyway, we were all, so they were like, who? And I was like, who's going to run this? I was, of course, going to run this. And they were like, well, if you're going to run it, then you have to leave your practice. So that mm. was like a moment for me because somehow I had not <laughs> put all of that yeah. together. You know, I was like, yeah. oh, wait, what? At some point, and so, yeah. actually, yeah. <laughs> okay. And so then I kind of stewed over that. Lots of anxiety over that because my partners at my practice were like my friends. This was the practice that I'd always wanted to join. My patients, like my sweet patients, yeah. I'm still in touch with like so many of them, thankfully. But I just had so much like guilt over that idea. But then just like you, I was like, well, 
I'm 100% going to run this. Like, if it's run by someone else, it's not going to be the same. And I don't feel like we'll be what I want it to be, what I had intended it to be. So I've got to do it, you know? And so that was it. It was like, I just, I was threatened with the idea of someone else doing it, which I knew wasn't going to work out for me. Um, so then I turned in my notice, and but I gave my practice like six months notice. So the whole time during that time, we were developing, we were kind of getting MVP ready, but I was still seeing patients. And that's really because I needed my partner partners to be able to hire and I needed my patients to be able to find another, you know, person to take care of them. So it was a little bit of both. That sounds like a much more intelligent version than what I did. <laughs> so uh, like a nice slow uh, reduction in work. Um, and, and I definitely, I think the thing that I want to normalize that you said is the anxiety and Ooh. the stress around the change, right? Entrepreneurship is, is full of all these unknowns. And, right. and there's a lot of people who have great ideas, but the reason why they don't ever start the company is because of these unknowns. And yeah. after you are on the other side and you were in the day-to-day -day of building Rosie, I'm sure you felt fine and you were excited, yeah. right? Totally. But, but like the, 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 the lack of understanding of the unknown is what really a lot of people wrestle with, which actually prevents them from actually doing anything, which is right. part of the reason why we have the show is to really give people the the courage to say, you know what, I, I can do this. It's, it's cool to hear that and that that was part of your story. Yeah, well, I think you're exactly right. For me, honestly, if, if I look back like retrospectively, that was probably the hardest and biggest decision of this whole thing. Everything mm -hmm. else, I can ask somebody how to do, I can figure out how to do it, I can learn by, you know, by trial. That was the biggest sort of leap that had to be made. And I'm still great friends with my partners. You know, I don't think most of my patients hate me. And so, you know, it all worked out. It worked out. Well, and I'm so thankful that I had the support that I needed to make that happen. Honestly, let's also be honest. Like there's a financial component here, right? Like you're oh, a doctor, huge. you're making, you're making good dough and like, you're going to be a startup person eating yeah. uh, ramen soup all of a sudden like that's, that's it was a, different a huge world, different change. world yeah right absolutely and you've got a kid, huge you got kids you've got kids three at this kids time. three kids yeah right yeah. so gosh uh so such a big decision to make and applaud you for the courage for even uh, doing yeah. it at that time right so um so that leads me to like how did you finance the company at the very beginning and obviously we're going to get to the to the raise that you did, the larger raise, um, yeah. but but I wanted to just kind of hear what that early bootstrapping and, and paying the bills looked like. Yeah, so this is a cool part of our story, which is that the, the company <clears throat> that Scott, my husband, and his co-founder, Mark, founded, which is called Dialexa, quick plug, um, <laughs> they founded it about, almost 12 years ago now. So right before, four, four weeks before our first daughter was born, my husband was like, I'm starting a new company. I was like, of course you are. Great. But anyway, so this is not the first time we've like, you know, taken a leap. But um, so anyway, the company that they started, they do technology consulting, and they have a labs component where they spin out startups mm. um, out of their company. And they have done this two other times prior to Rosie. So this was would have been the third time was the third time that we did this. So basically the way it goes down is it's only internal projects to the company. They counted me as an internal person, thankfully. Mm. So you pitch to the company, company-wide, and they vote, you know, who wants to, or if a majority want to participate in the project. And then the people who want to participate in the project can work on, on the project for equity, basically in it. So it's a cool. bunch of individual, you know, designers, engineers, 
all the people needed to do stuff like this and they work for equity um and that the is so amazing yeah that would be, it was great yeah and 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 also the fact that like these are known quantities that you're not having to yeah. like go out and hire a whole new crew I mean, of folks huge yeah. especially yeah. as a non-technical founder i would have been sunk from the beginning you know what i mean i don't even know how yeah. to have these conversations yep. i don't you know now we're three years into it so i'm much more educated but at the beginning i it was it was like going into medicine and not having any medical training you know a yeah. whole other language a whole other set of um frameworks you know so i'm so thankful that 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 transition happened how it did and then and this is this is exactly why like i recommend to a lot of first-time founders or early you know founders who don't know what they're doing to look at accelerators to look at incubators yeah. not because i don't believe in them but because that I guess historic knowledge base and the network and the sort right. of in, in implied uh, uh, base of, of of people who can directly work on the project is it's just so valuable and like you've got many you know balls that are in the air and so like right. the last thing you need is to start to like build a team from scratch and so this is this is that was a really great and serendipitous opportunity so yeah um where are we give me like a time range like what year are we this, in right now this is early 2019 so rosie the okay. the product launched in the app store for the first time on valentine's day of 2019 so this is and all happening late fall i mean late winter early fall i mean early spring of 2019 and and what was the initial elevator pitch of the app like when you first launched like what was the tell me walk me through kind of what that initial headline looked like. Yeah, so we were really focused on the number one women's sexual health problem, which is low desire. Mm -hmm. um, so really, you know, the way that we, the way that we went to market is to tell physicians and therapists, just like me, you know, a year before, that now they had a solution for their patients with low sexual desire, because that's what they were hearing all the time. So the way that I would talk about it to these people were evidence-based solutions for low desire. And what that does is that it saves the physician time, right? They don't have training or time that they need to, to focus on these problems, but it also gives something valid and credible to their patients as well. So it's really a win-win for that um, interaction. And that's kind of how we, how we would, how I, we launched literally on Valentine's day. I went around to all my friends practices here in Dallas and I was like, Hey, Rosie's in the app store. Like you can tell your patients now. Mm -hmm. and that's how, and they all posted on Instagram. It was fun. It was oh fun my gosh. Launch. Those are such fun magic moments as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So. Well, I, th I'm going to go off on a tangent here. This is yeah. very self-serving because it's, I just find it very deeply fascinating, but, um, my, uh, I guess I would say stupid response to low desire uh, yeah. for your, for patients would be to just get a new partner. Um, Ooh, is that yeah. not is that not the right <laughs> is that is that not the, what the research indicates? No, uh, that's not what we say, John. That's not what we say. In fact, actually, there are unfortunately physicians who offer that advice. But okay, oh. so here's what I here's what I like to offer: when men have a sexual problem, do we tell them to get a new partner? Like, is no, the no. like right? Like is the $50 billion market of Viagra built on get a new partner? It's not because no. we understand that there are physical, right? Biological issues at play. We understand that yes, potentially there are relational ones and we understand that there are mental health ones. And the same is true for women, right? So mm. when we say something as like 
flippant or dismissive as get a new partner or even yeah. worse, what we say too is drink a glass of wine, like just Oy. chill out, right? Then, I mean, that's not helpful. It's not honoring sort of the biological and psychological processes that are going on. And definitely we can do better. And, and that's what we're aiming to do for sure. Yes, I'm glad I could be the the meme yeah. <laughs> of bad questions and bad solutions. Me too. Because this is exactly why products like yours belong in the world. Because again, like in today's digitally connected day and age, there's so much more that we can be doing to sort of improve women's health and 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 and, and men's health in many cases as well. So absolutely. Okay. So we're launched. We're our friends yep. are posting on the gram. We're excited. Yep. How did you measure traction in the early days? What were you really looking for to like feel good about um, how the product was growing? You know, what what, what were your yeah. hunches um, and how did those early days go? Yeah, early days and actually still, I mean, now we look at the same thing. So we look obviously at number of downloads, but more importantly, mm -hmm. probably monthly active users. Mm -hmm. We've been following that since the beginning. And then we also look at physician behavior, physician yeah. sign up. So we have not just physicians, actually, but all healthcare providers, including mental health. Any of people who are taking care of women can come to our website and sign up to be like a rosy provider. And that mm -hmm. means nothing other than they have complete access to the platform so that they can vet it for their patients. And also yeah. we send them printed materials like in the mail so that they can pass it out to their patients if they see a patient that needs some information. So that number has been huge for us um, since the beginning. And then the number of users on the platform as well. And obviously, you know, maybe um, secondarily revenue and all of all of those numbers. I mean, yep, following yep. closely too. Yeah. And, and the score takes care of itself, right? If those, if those user, if user growth right. is good, if users are engaged, if exactly. you know the OBs at uh, the Egg Cog conference come back and yeah. they're very excited about uh, you know Rosie and they're recommending you to to patients, then um, you know there's the the the, the revenue will, will will come. Okay, so things are starting to look really good. You must be thinking like, wow, we want to scale and grow and move outside of the incubation, um, and Absolutely. so we need to raise raise outside <laughs> capital. Um, you got where it. Did you, where did you start first? Was there, um, was it the process that you ran with? Was there like, we just had friends that we knew that were investors, like t walk me through, um, how you knew it was the right time and what you did next. Yeah. So, I mean, we definitely felt good about what was happening, right? We had the very first day we launched, we had, you know, I don't remember the exact number, but we had a significant number of downloads. And I remember talking to other people on the Dialexa team and they were like, oh, we've launched stuff before. And like, it's been crickets, you know, like this, yeah. it felt different, right? This has been, yeah. my, this is my first startup, so I have no idea. But to them, it felt different to us. We were getting such like love from the healthcare provider community. And, you know, we were starting to see things like up and to the right, you know, maybe up and to the right, but still up and to the right. And so it was like, man, yeah, I definitely need my own team. You know, we love what Dialexa has done for us, but but need to have people dedicated eating, breathing, drinking, sleeping this besides me. You know what I mean? And so um, that is definitely why we decided to raise. We raised on a note for this first round and we started out definitely friends and family, you know, just approaching people that we knew. Um, we, we have some family in the very earliest um, checks. We have friends. Um, and then it went quickly out, though, to the medical community. So other yep. physicians, OBGYNs. Um, and then I actually 
actually participated in a pitch competition here in Dallas, my very first pitch competition, and we won, which was nice. awesome. Which then got what's the name of that some... competition? That was called Healthcare Dealmakers okay. here in Dallas. Cool. Yeah, great. And it was yeah, great. I, I always it love to awesome. hear about these. I love to hear about the different pitch days in case a listener, you know, is in Dallas and wants to start one. You know what I mean? Yes, so, um, totally. Very cool. And, and yeah. you, you obviously had built a deck at that at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. I had... built a deck before we started raising, um, okay. and that cool. was it. That's been a huge part of everything for me. And I learned a lot about storytelling and fundraising actually for my husband's co-founder named Mark. Yep. He has started several companies too. And he just really got me to think about that story arc, about starting out with some strong emotion. And like the, yep. the field that I'm in grabs attention, right? So like, for example, we were at this pitch competition and it's probably 300 people in the room. They're all in suits because they're all healthcare. And everybody's looking down at their computer, looking down at their, you know, phones or whatever. And my opening line is, I love my husband. I just don't care if we ever have sex again. And everyone's like, (laughs) (laughs) excuse me, like, who is this lady, you know, up at the, so there was a lot of work in that story. And I just, I love honestly, that piece of things with the fundraising process for sure. So awesome to hear it from somebody who already knows what they're doing. What one one of the other videos I've posted on the YouTube channel is about making your pitch like a movie trailer, right? Like yeah. your presentation really needs to draw in that investor, and like you clearly have the opening line down to a bat. Yeah. Um, um, so so you got you you won the comp- pitch competition. Did you know you were going to raise specific amount of of capital, and then? <clears throat> By the way, what was the end result? Because we would do want to give you a round of applause here. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Um, so this was our pre-seed round. So we had modeled out that I probably needed about 500000 And then the advice from the board, <laughs> a.k.a. my husband and his co-founder, were, hey, raise double that. And as, like, a first-time founder, I was like, a million dollars? Like, yeah. you know, aghast. Like, I can't possibly. Anyway, that we ended up raising, a, I ended up raising a little over a million, like 1.1 1. 1 or something, mm. and, with several other pitch competitions along the way. Um, and then, you know, that would which got us plugged into a bunch of angel networks on both coasts um, and a couple of VCs actually at the very, very end um, who invest obviously very early stage. So um, yeah, we, you know, it was, it was exciting and it took a long time, but it was worth it. And, you know, I'm thankful to, that it got us now here and we raised again last fall. So now, now there's a couple under the belt for sure. Wow. You're, you're off to the races. I, I, one thing I think that I, I also want to normalize is going out to friends and family. Founders yeah. do not feel bad about doing that. It's like you really believe in and care about your craft and what you're doing. It's more than okay. You just need to make sure that you tell friends and family this could all go to zero. Right. <laughs> so, um, right. As long as you're honest and clear about that and that they know that this is, um, you know, form of philanthropy in many right, cases. Right, exactly. Um, that's number one. And and then number two is I also love how you went out to people within your industry, OBs and potential yeah. customers or partners. That one's also a really great way to build that an early, early network effect of like not right. only would they use the product, but now they're invested. And so they're going to tell at a dinner party all their friends as well. And that gets a little bit of virality going towards it. So um, don't know if that was intentional either way. 
it was smart. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. It was obviously very intentional because, and even from like the, during the building of the product, we have, there's this amazing Facebook group of women OBGYNs. And I, you know, I feel still to this day, like the more that I can get the input and investment, both monetarily, mm. but also from a product perspective or from, you know, a patient perspective in the product, like the better and the stronger that we will be, right? Because that right. you're right. That is such a huge network for us in terms of dissemination, also in terms of content creation, in terms of reputation. Like there's so much that the healthcare provider community does for us and they've been involved in it, you know, obviously since the very beginning. Congrats on the fundraising success. The round of applause is here. Thank you. And um, the, the place I love to end on is what lies ahead. What are the next 12 months look like for Rosie and what are the next 10 years look like? Yeah. We have so much going on. It's it's so exciting, and I'm still as excited about it today as I was when we first started because of the continued support and the continued difference that we can feel as a team and as a company that we're making in the world. You know, so I just spoke at ACOG. I was wondering how you knew about ACOG because that's sort of insider lingo. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> well, 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 our portfolio company, uh, Ruth Health, uh, which oh, does. Oh, I did not yeah. know that. I, they we yeah. exhibited next to Ruth. At this conference. fantastic, yeah. I know that's Allison and Allison and Audrey are are fantastic, and but this is your show, and they, they, no, love uh, them. That's yeah, great. Yeah, that's great. That's um, great news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I got to speak there about women's sexual health. We're you know continuing to grow our network. So right now we have more than six percent of OBGYNs recommending Rosie. More than four thousand um, doctors and therapists across the country. Um, immediately next steps we we worked on um, incorporating coaching into our subscription plans, which has been so exciting for our users and really had a positive impact on the business as well. Um, so we'll be looking at expanding geographically pretty soon, which is of mm-hmm. an exciting prospect for us and you know big picture goals we our mission the mission of rosie is to erase sexual shame and isolation for women across the globe right and if you are a member of rosie or if you go to the platform now what i hope you'll see through the way that the product is designed and the content has developed is that we honor each woman's journey right where she is so whether that means you know whatever phase of life that she's in if she's postpartum if she's menopausal if she's having sexual pain if she's having low desire, if she has a certain religious context or overlay, if there's, you know, certain partnerships, um, issues that she's got going on. We really are there to kind of hold her hand, be a safe space across that sexual journey that is life. And we want to do that really for the world. And I think that is such a compelling and unique and meaningful opportunity that there's such a vast, you know, space for us to fill and really make a lot a difference in the lives of women and their partners. And then obviously their families, you know, just really um, in a really important way. So really excited to be working on all that stuff. Well, I'd love for everyone to check out the work that we're doing. You can go to our website, at meetrosie, M-E-E-T-R-O-S-Y.com or just search Rosie, R-O-S-Y in either app store and let us know what you think. Well, Dr. Lindsay Harper, it's been a pleasure. The future is bright for Rosie and yourself and the team. And uh, I just, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for your time. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. <laughs>